Well, are you enjoying our summer series? I have been enjoying it. I hope you are uh, as well. I don't know about you, but every time I see that intro video over the last couple weeks, I keep thinking this is like a top 10 list of things you should never, ever do in sandals. (laughs) Never. And, And I don't know, maybe I'm the only one who does this, but I cringe every time he swings that axe, okay? I'm like, ah, am I the only one? I'm not the only one, right? Oh, oof. And I probably will every time it's shown through the end of this series. But uh, a couple weeks ago, we launched into this series. And again, this uh, summer series that we've been doing, it's each week is a standalone message. We know that in the summer, people have a lot of things going on. And, and uh, that's so great to, to be able to be involved in so many things. And, uh, but we want you to be able to stay connected each week with the message. And so we don't build each message on one another, but we do think that each message is worth hearing. So if you miss a week, make sure you hop online and uh, check out the message from last week. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Pastor Rob challenged us in our lives to be willing to take steps of faith and not to wait for God to do a miracle before we take a step, but to just like, just like in the Old Testament when, uh, when God commanded the priests to step into the river before God did the miracle of stopping the flow of the river, some, we need to be willing to take a step of faith. And then we can watch God move on our behalf. And so that was week one. It was a great week. And then last week, uh, Pastor Darren, wow, what a great message. He helped us understand the power, the resource that we have in God's word, in the Bible, and how it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And if you see a theme running through all of these messages, um, the the theme is we're, we're looking at different stories from the Bible that all involve our feet. Or all involve our sandals. Now, I have to tell you, when we started this series, um, I kind of felt a little disconnected from it. Uh, maybe, maybe just a little uneasy. And I'll tell you why. Um, feet just aren't my thing. Okay? You know what I'm saying? I, I'm just not a big fan of feet. I, I'm just not. I mean, I'm grateful for my feet. Right? I'm... <laughs> I'm grateful that I have feet. I'm grateful for my feet, but uh, feet, I'm just not a big fan. I'm like, don't touch me with your feet. Please don't stick your feet in my face. Now, you know, if our family, we're doing a little family movie night and we're all in the living room, kind of lounging around, I'm like, get your feet off of me. Don't touch me with your feet. And you know, I'm not, I'm honestly not really that, that big of a sandals guy uh, either. My feet, uh, personally, my feet are most comfortable when they're wrapped in a nice pair of merino wool socks and a good pair of hunting boots. Anybody with me there? Yeah. But I know there are lots of people who love bare feet and sandals, or maybe there are others who prefer shoes and socks. There's still a, another group of people that, that I guess they, they don't really like feet, but they still like wearing sandals. And if, I mean, if that happens, oftentimes you end up with something like this. Ah, okay. Now, if you're here today wearing socks and sandals, let me just say don't. <laughs> just, just don't. Just, just don't. Well, wouldn't you know it, that the topic that, um, that I get to preach on today, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to, uh, to talk with all of us today, is, uh, is the topic of beautiful feet. Beautiful feet. And so if I've learned one thing in ministry, it's that I always be, be better willing to, to practice what I preach. And so in honor of our... Sandal Summer Series, I decided to step out of my comfort zone, and yes, I am preaching in my sandals. So watch out. God is going to move today. God is going to move. So our scripture today, the passage that we're speaking from, is found in Isaiah chapter 52, and I want to invite you to grab your Bible if you have it. Turn to Isaiah 52. Maybe you have it on your smartphone or another device. Uh, 
Bibles come in all shapes and forms and sizes these days. Uh, but I want to ask you to do something. I want to invite you to do something. We don't do this very often, but I, uh, I want to invite you as we get ready to read our scripture today to stand together. Can you do that? Can we all just stand together in honor of God's word? Again, we don't do this very often. This isn't something we do every week, uh, but I have a reason that I want to ask you to stand as we get ready to read this today. Our text is from Isaiah chapter 52, and we're going to read just verse 7. And I want to invite you to read it out loud with me as I read it together. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen. But let's read this together. It says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Come on, let's read it one more time, okay? How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, and who say to Zion, your God reigns. And so why do I ask you to stand up? Just stay standing just for a moment. I, I have a reason that I want you to stand because it makes it a whole lot easier to do this, okay? I want everyone to look down at your feet. Go ahead, just, just look down at your feet there. And I want you to ask yourself this question today. Do I have beautiful feet? Come on, just look at them in all their glory. Do I have beautiful feet? Feet, Because today I want each one of us here to realize that our feet are bringing something into every situation that we encounter. That you and I, we are carriers of a message and I want us to ask ourselves, is the message that I'm carrying with my life in the way that I live, in the way that I speak, in the way that I conduct myself in all of my daily routines, is what I am carrying, is what my feet are carrying, is it good? Is it good or is it not good? Uh, does, it, does it make my feet beautiful, what I'm carrying, or does what I'm bringing in my life, does it kind of bring something funky? Okay, now I want you to look at your neighbor's feet. And I want, no, I'm just kidding. You don't have to look at your neighbor's feet. You can, go ahead and, you can go ahead and be seated. Thank you for doing that. I love the imagery. I love the message that is packed into this one verse from the Old Testament from the prophet Isaiah. I think there's so many things that we can learn as we dive into this. Now, Isaiah was one of the prophets, uh, and in the Old Testament, the prophets had a crucial, crucial role in the story of Israel. And I think it's important for us to have a little bit of understanding about the unique function in the Bible that a prophet had, because prophets were God's spokesmen. Prophets were known by the people. Prophets were people that carried a message, that had a proven track record with the people. And it's important as we look at their function in the Bible to know that prophets were the ones who were continually calling God's people back to their covenant roots. Now, in ancient times, when there was a message that had to be delivered, when something was happening, news was brought by messengers who traveled on foot. They didn't have Twitter, they didn't have Facebook, they didn't have cable TV or satellite radio. I'm amazed today that literally something could be happening on the other side of the world, and within seconds, we can all know about it. Isn't that incredible? I mean, within seconds, we can all know about what's going on. And over and over in the Old Testament, though, if there was a message that was to be brought, it came by a messenger who usually traveled on foot, and over and over the prophets were God's messengers. They would announce blessings. They would announce cursings. 
depending on the people's loyalty or disloyalty. They would explain how people had broken the covenant. They would call them to repentance and they would declare what could happen or what would happen to them because of what they had done. And specifically, when we look at the book of Isaiah, Isaiah was the longest of the books of the prophets in the Old Testament. Isaiah was uh, an incredible uh, prophet who was referenced many, many times, even in the New Testament, uh, by the New Testament writers. But at the heart of Isaiah's message to Israel is a deep, deep concern that God's people would return and they would walk with God and they would walk in his ways. They would repent. They would restore the covenant that they had with God. I think it's also important to understand that Isaiah, as well as the other prophets, uh, they were speaking to the nation of Israel and to the nation of Judah. They were speaking at a time where there was great political and military and economic and social upheaval in the nation. It was just a tumultuous time in that nation. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I think that kind of sounds a lot like the world we live in today in this country. There's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of, of strong feelings and a lot of anger, a lot of discord. And I love that scripture. Scripture not, uh, does not exist outside of the world. It's not like the Bible is, is this thing that exists in some other dimension. But the word of God, it spoke into the times and the realities of what was going on in that world. And today, it speaks to us about the times and the day that we live in today. Israel was a divided nation. Israel and Judah, it was kind of like uh, the North and the South during the Civil War in America. It was divided in two. There was tension between the two countries. And I think today, it can even feel like, like we are living in a fractured and in a divided nation. In chapter 52 of Isaiah, the, the prophet, he's uh, bringing into that crazy and that challenging time, though, he's bringing this incredible message of hope. He's bringing this, this message of redemption to a nation and to a people that desperately needed it. And River Valley, listen to me today. I believe that you and I, that we are being called by God to also proclaim a clear and a hope-filled message to a nation and to a people who, whether they realize it or not, are desperate for God. Our nation is desperate for God. And so in our verse, Isaiah gives us five things that we can declare to the world. And in, and in poetry, in, in prophetic poetry in the Old Testament, oftentimes a prophet would say the same thing in, in different ways, using different words, but he would be conveying the same message over and over and over. And, and, and there are five things in this message that he said that I think you and I need to be ready to shout, ready to proclaim into the world, to the world that we live in today. And the first thing is this, you and I, we are to be ready to proclaim good news. Good news. What is the good news? The good news is that God loves each and every one of us. The good news is that, is that God wants to have relationship with us, that we can live and that we can walk in forgiveness and we can walk in freedom and we can walk in God's grace. We just celebrated that with communion together, remembering what Jesus did on the cross. That is good news. That, that is the greatest news, church, that the world could ever hear. We're also to proclaim peace. We are to proclaim peace. Years ago, I had a pastor that made the, state, made the statement. He said, if you want peace in your life, then you need to know the Prince of Peace. And that Prince of Peace is Jesus. Because uh, Jesus is the only one that brings peace with God. 
And the truth is that if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have peace with God, then, then you will never truly know peace because Jesus is the only one that brings peace and confidence not only into this life, but into eternity. You see, salvation through Jesus is what brings us peace with God. It's different than the world's idea of peace. It's a supernatural peace. You see, I think the world, when they think of peace, when we think of peace, it's, we just think it's the absence of any kind of trouble. Peace is, is, okay, if there's no war and if there's no pain or if there's no struggle, well, then, then we can have peace. But that's not the kind of peace that the Bible talks about. And yes, I do believe that one day Jesus is going to rule and reign from a throne and there's going to be peace on earth. But the peace that God is talking to us about is a spiritual peace that says in spite of turmoil, it says in spite of disappointments, in spite of a world that seems to have gone mad, it says I can stand firm, I can stand confident because I know that in spite of it all, God is in control and God is in charge and I belong to him. And I know that no matter what else is going on, God will take care of me. That's the peace that God is talking about. That's the peace that we are to declare to the world. That's the peace that is available to you and I today when we get right with God. When we proclaim that peace with our lives, it is something that is incredibly beautiful. We're also to bring good tidings. Good tidings. That wasn't just something the angels brought when Jesus was born. Good tidings. And this literally means bringing good news of something good. Good news of something good. Something right. Something agreeable. Something beautiful. You see, the basic story of the gospel is this. God made everything and God made everything good. God made everything beautiful. But our sin destroyed all of that. Sin destroyed what was beautiful in us and in the world. But Jesus came to make the world good and beautiful again. Did you hear what I'm saying? Jesus came to make me beautiful again. Jesus came to make you beautiful. Jesus came to make our world beautiful again. And it's only through Jesus that we are righteous in God's eyes. And when we accept Jesus, the Bible says he makes us a new creation. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17... It says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Old things have passed away. Do you remember the moment? Do you remember the moment that you gave your heart to Jesus? Do you remember when you accepted him, when you asked him to come into your heart, you invited him in to forgive you of your sin and all of the stuff that had been weighing on you, all of the stuff that brought guilt and shame and condemnation in your life, all of that just fell away when you realized what forgiveness was all about. Man, isn't that beautiful? That feeling of, oh, I'm right with God. There's nothing between God and me. I am forgiven. All things became new. That is what salvation is all about. And that's the message that we proclaim. We bring good tidings and we proclaim salvation. We're to let the world know what John 3.16 declares, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Come on, church, Jesus came and Jesus died to open the door of salvation for you and for me. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Jesus is the one way to salvation. 
But Jesus isn't just our Savior. The Bible also declares that Jesus is our Lord, right? So those are two different roles. Jesus is our Savior, and Jesus is our Lord. And that's why I love that what this verse also declares, and it says we're also to declare to Zion. And when you read Zion in the Old Testament, know that that's, that's talking about God's people. It's saying this. It says, declare this to God's people. Your God reigns. Man, what a statement of, of a proclamation of the kingdom of God. It says, it doesn't matter what's going on in this world. Don't ever forget that your God reigns. That your Savior reigns. That the one that, is, that has given you forgiveness, the one that brings new life into you, the one that has made you a new creation, oh, he's in charge. He reigns. You can rest secure in who he is. Your God reigns. You see, our relationship with God, it starts with surrender. It starts with surrendering to Jesus. But just surrendering and starting isn't the end. When you run a race, when that gun goes off, you don't just go, ready, set, go. I made it. No, no, no. That's just the start. Surrender is the start. You see, but then we're perfected. Once we surrender, the perfection comes when we learn to walk in submission to God's will for our life. It starts with surrender, and it works out in submission. Do you see how that works? Jesus is Savior, but Jesus is also Lord. We can't have one without the other. If God is going to reign in our lives, then Jesus needs to be Savior and Lord. And that's the message that Isaiah was declaring to the people of Israel. And that's the message that God has called us to proclaim to the world today. And ultimately, all of these five things together, they're proclaiming the same thing, and that's this. It is a beautiful thing to proclaim the greatest news the world has ever heard. It is beautiful. But I want you to check this out. Because as important as the message is, our verse in Isaiah 52, it doesn't just focus on the message. You see, uh, not only is, uh, is the message good, yes, God is definitely letting people know that no matter what's going on, that there's hope, there's good things coming, but the focus is not just the message, the focus is also on the role and the importance of the messenger. See, in this verse, the messenger is essential to the message being delivered and received. And so today, I want to ask you the question again. How are your feet looking? How are your feet looking? Do you have beautiful feet? I don't know if you just got a pedicure this week. But how are your feet looking? You know, sometimes people tell me when they read the Bible, they sometimes have a difficult time seeing how, it, how does this apply? You know, I don't quite see how I fit into what I'm reading. I don't quite see how this applies to my life. Well, this passage, man, this is, this is when we read verses like this, we need to see ourselves in the pages of scripture here. You see, you and I, when we read this, we need to see that we can be the messengers with beautiful feet. That we can be the, the ones that bring the message of good news to someone who desperately needs it. That our feet can be the ones being described in the pages of the Bible. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Now there's a part of, of this verse that I never really thought about until I was studying for this message this week. And, and that's the part that talks about how beautiful on the mountains are the feet. I read that this week. I started thinking... Well, what about the feet in the valleys? Are they not special too? 
What, what, what about the feet somewhere else? What, what, what's special about on the mountain? And I never really thought about the significance of those words, but you know, God put them there, and so they must be there for a reason, right? And so I started looking, and I realized that mountains play a significant role throughout the Bible from beginning to end. From beginning to end, we read about mountains. In the very beginning, the Garden of Eden was set on a mountain. And in the book of Revelation, we can read in the book of Revelation chapter 21, it talks about how the apostle John was brought in a vision to a mountain where he saw the new Jerusalem and the new heaven coming down. I mean, mountains from beginning to end. Noah's ark comes to rest on a mountain. Abraham almost sacrifices his son Isaac on a mountain. Moses encounters uh, a burning bush and has an encounter with God on the mountain. And on the same mountain, years later, Elijah encounters God in this moment where there's a great wind and there's a fire and there's an earthquake and then ultimately has an encounter with God in a still, small whisper. This was the same mountain. Mountains are very often the places of incredible spiritual experiences and encounters with God. Israel made their covenant with God at Mount Sinai. But it's not just in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus often, it says, went to the mountains to pray. Jesus was tempted by Satan on a mountaintop. And it was on a mountain that Peter, James, and John, Jesus' disciples, had this incredible moment where Jesus was transfigured in front of them. It happened on a mountain. Think about this. Jesus gave the great commission on a mountain and then was taken up and ascended into heaven from that mountain. I looked and in total, mountains are talked about in the Bible over 400 times. 400 times times that's a lot and they're talked about in different stories or being used as metaphors for describing God's righteousness or God's holiness I think there might be something to this mountain thing now I don't know much about mountain climbing anybody ever climbed a mountain I've never climbed a mountain just makes me tired thinking about it I have a friend who just left this week to fly to Tanzania to climb Mount Kilimanjaro I said have fun (laughs) I don't know much about mountain climbing, but I've driven through some pretty impressive mountain ranges, and I've sat from a distance and looked at mountain ranges and just amazed at the beauty and the incredible, wow, just looking at the panoramic view of mountains. Last summer, we visited the Teton mountain range, and it was just incredible, incredible. But here's something I want you to think about. Um, If a person finds themselves on a mountain, it's safe to say they didn't get there by accident, right? Right? I mean, it's not like someone's just going to go out for a walk one day, and as they're walking along, all of a sudden they're going to stop and look around and say, huh, look at that, I'm on a mountain. No, if we're going to be on a mountain, it's going to be because we were intentional about climbing the mountain. We were going to put some effort, some planning, some, some work into it. So why would somebody go up to a mountain? Why would somebody be on a mountain in the first place? Well, of course, one of the reasons is for the experience. I think we've probably all heard of having a mountaintop experience, having an event or a circumstance, something that was just exhilarating or inspirational to us. We describe that as being a mountaintop experience. And I don't think that's what this verse is talking about. But there is another reason that we read about in the Bible in different places why people were on the mountain. And sometimes the people were on the mountain because it was a place of refuge. 
It was a place of safety in a time of danger. Maybe there was a nation attacking and the people fled to the mountains for safety. And when I started realizing that, man, oftentimes people would run for the hills. They would run for the mountains. And if you were in a place, imagine with me, where you had sought safety and security and protection in a mountain. You were hiding out from an enemy. You were trying to flee from danger. You were needing protection. And you found yourself on a mountain. Imagine with me, maybe you've been there for a week. Maybe you've been there for a month. Maybe you're, maybe you're there for a year. The, the people of Israel lived in exile for 70 years. 70 years. Now imagine you're in that condition and you've run from danger and all of a sudden there's a messenger. There's the prophet. And the messenger is bringing good news. Hey, the enemy's gone. The danger's over. It's okay. You can go home now. The trouble's gone. Everything's okay. I mean, think about that. Imagine the relief, the joy. I mean, imagine what that would spring up in you. That makes a whole lot more sense. How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of him who brings good news. I think we all know people that are far from God. I think we all know people that have walked away from God. And you and I, we are called to bring the good news to them. We're called to. We're commanded to. We're called to care. We're invited to love. We're called to go and to share the good news. I think it's also significant. I think it's also intentional on Isaiah's part that when Isaiah uh, talks about the messenger, he says, how beautiful are the feet. I mean, why didn't he say how beautiful is the voice of the person who's speaking? I mean, why didn't he say um, how beautiful are the hands of the one who serves in Jesus' name? How, how beautiful, they're beautiful hands. Or why didn't he say uh, how beautiful are the hearts? Oh, how beautiful are the hearts of the one who loves another in Jesus' name? But it's the feet. How beautiful are the feet? I think God is intentional and inspiring Isaiah to write these words. Because listen, this message, this good news that we are to take is something that we are to take with us everywhere we go. Everywhere we walk, everywhere we go, we take it with us. We carry it with us. We are to walk as far as we can carry the message. We go to anywhere. We go to everywhere. God has called us to bring the good news to the whole world. In fact, the Great Commission, when we read the Great Commission, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. The great commission where Jesus says, this is what it's all about. This is what it's about. Did you know that the command in that first phrase, go into all the world and make disciples? I think sometimes we think the command is to go, but the command is to make disciples, you see, the word that's translated go, it probably more accurately could be translated as you go, make disciples. Or when you go, make disciples. Or as you are going, make disciples. Do you see the difference? You see, there was an assumption on the writer's part, on Jesus' part, when he said go into all the world, that his people were going to go. I mean, there was no question, it was a given. Man, you have this message, you're going to go, and as you go, make disciples. Teach them, baptize them, help them to live out everything that I am commanded you. 
There's no question in Jesus' call to his followers. And in this light, I think sharing the good news, what we're called to do, sharing the good news, it isn't just about going on a missions trip to share the gospel. It's not just about uh, going into a neighborhood or, or, or serving our city or, you know, taking. Those things are all good. They're important. I think they're valuable. We need to do those. But if we get caught up in thinking that this, uh, this incredible calling we have to share the good news is just an event, then we miss it. Because the truth is sharing the gospel is something we do everywhere we go. It's something we do every time we go. It's something that we take every opportunity to do every day when we go to work, when we go to school, when we are in the community, no matter what it is we're doing, we need to be ready to declare the good news in that moment. And so today, do you have beautiful feet? Do you have beautiful feet? As a follower of Jesus in this world, what are you bringing Everywhere you go, what are your feet carrying into the situations that you're presented with every day? Are we bringing hope? Are we bringing healing? Or are we bringing hurt? Are we bringing something positive to the situations that we're stepping into? Or are we bringing negatives? Are the words that we're speaking, the words, the things coming out of our mouth, are they bringing life or are they bringing death? Are we bringing hope or are we bringing discouragement? You know what makes for beautiful feet isn't a great pedicure. I mean, go ahead and get your pedicure. Pastor Mark's not telling you don't get a pedicure. Buff out those calluses, paint those toenails. Do the best you can with those feet. But remember this. What really makes beautiful feet is that they belong to a carrier of the most important message the world needs to hear. That's what makes beautiful feet. That they're bringing good news, that they're declaring salvation, that they're declaring that we can have peace with God. And you may say, well, but Pastor Mark, how do I do that? How, how do I do that? I mean, it, you know, talk about Jesus, it, it, it sometimes is a little awkward. Well, let me, let me give you three things, three simple things that you can do to share the good news. The first one is this, tell your story. Tell your story. Man, nothing can communicate God's love to, some, to someone else like your testimony. Your testimony is this, this is who I was, and then I met Jesus, now this is who I am. It's not difficult. And here's the reality, people can argue theology they can argue ideas, they can argue concepts, but people cannot argue with your experience. When you are forgiven, when God has changed your life, when you are living as that new creation, it's not like you're gonna say to somebody, hey, this is who I was and I met Jesus, and man, now I'm free and I'm forgiven. No, you're not. They can't argue with your experience. Yes, you are. You're living a new life. Tell your story, share your story. Another thing that you can do, simple thing, invite someone to church. Invite someone. You have a good church. I thought maybe I'd get an amen. You have a good church. This is a safe place for you to invite people to come. There's a lot of energy here. There's a lot of passion here. There's a lot of good things going on. There's a lot of great people here. This is a safe place for you to invite people to come and experience God. 
Say, hey, you know, uh, God's doing some great things. I had a great time at church today. You should come with me next weekend. They may say no. They may say, okay, I can do that. Wow. Invite someone to church. How about this? We can get out and serve. We can get out and serve. Did you know that this church exists primarily for its non-members? Think about it. This church exists primarily for its non-members. Now, I know we have a responsibility to take care of one another. We are family. We will take care of each other and pray for each other and support one another. And we will do everything we can to help one another out. That's an important thing. But listen, our mission as a church is not to just get a bunch of people and then like take care of ourselves. Our mission as a church is to lead people into an authentic, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know where those people are? They're out there. They're not here yet. I love what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It says this, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's great when we get out and when we serve and when we minister and we make a difference in someone else's life for their benefit, not for ours, for their benefit, when we make a difference in someone else's life, when we're doing good deeds, when we're serving outside of the walls of this church, and when people see it, and we let them know, hey, we're doing this because we believe that God wants us to, to, to be a good person in this community, that we can make a difference in people's lives, they're going to say, all right, that's something I can get behind. So there's three simple things you can do to proclaim the good news. Tell your story. Invite someone to church. Get out and serve. As we get ready to dismiss our service, I am convinced that each one of us in this room, we belong to one of two categories today. And the categories are this. Either we need to hear the message or we need to share the message. That's it. Either we're here today and we need to hear the good news that God loves us and has a plan for our lives and we need to respond to it. Or we have responded to that message and now we need to go share it. That's it. So I want to invite you to bow your heads as we get ready to close in a moment of prayer. And I want to give opportunity today, if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, on this 4th of July weekend, You've never really experienced what true freedom is all about. And here in this place, if you are hearing this good news, we're talking about salvation, we're talking about making Jesus Savior and Lord, and you're sitting here and you know that you are not right with God. And if you're honest with yourself, you would say you are far from God. But I want you to know God is not far from you. And the Bible says that when we repent, when we turn away from our sin and when we turn to God, that, that we're saved, that we're forgiven, that God comes in and cleans us up. And if you're here today and you are ready to make that decision to surrender your life to Jesus, I want to pray with you. And in a moment, we're going to pray a prayer. And I want to know that we're praying together. And so with everybody's head bowed and everybody's eyes closed in this place, just in this moment where you are making this decision, if you know that you need to get right with God, and you want to be a part of this prayer, you just let me know that we're praying together by lifting your hand. Just, we're just going to take a moment here, and if that's you, just lift your hand. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you. Okay, you can put your hands down. Keep your heads bowed. How many of you would say in this place that I have a relationship with God and I love God and I know that he's forgiven me, but man, when I think about sharing that, when I think about speaking out and sharing that good news, there's a, something in me that just holds me back. If that's you today, just lift your hand because I want to pray for you in a moment as well. Yeah, there's hands. There's hands. And it's the greatest news that the world needs to hear. Okay, you can put your hands down. I want to invite you to pray this prayer after me. Everybody just pray this out loud together. No one's praying this alone, but just pray this out to the Lord. And if you're ready to surrender to Jesus, just speak these words to God from your heart. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and confess that I have sinned and I've done things wrong. But today I invite you into my heart. Come and forgive my sin. Come and clean me up. Come and teach me to live right because I want to live with you forever. In Jesus' name I pray. God, I thank you for each person that prayed that prayer. Lord, I believe that, that the old is gone, that the sins are forgiven, that what's in the past is in the past, and now, God, you want to do a new thing. And so, God, I pray that there would be, even in this moment, a refreshing and a newness as we walk and stand forgiven. Nothing between us, God. And Lord, I thank you today that there are so many here that have prayed that and surrendered their life to you. And God, I pray that as they are learning how to walk in submission to you, that God, you would help us as we proclaim this good news to the world. Lord, the world is a mess, but God, you are not a God of disorder. You are a God of order. And so I pray that you would use us, God, to help bring life and order and peace into this world. God, I pray that we would be the messengers, God, with beautiful feet. That, God, we would bring the good news, that we would proclaim salvation. That, God, we would bring good tidings, that we would proclaim peace and salvation. That we would declare to the world that our God reigns. Lord, I thank you for it. Give us strength. Give us wisdom. Give us opportunity. Lord, use us, I pray. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.